So Republicans used to be the country club party, right? the, the party of the, the ruling class. It was the party of the, the rich people and the educated people and the party of CEOs, the party of business and the defense establishment, people who put national security first. And then in the age of Trump, not, not because of Trump, but uh, right-wing parties in general have moved down market and become parties of the working class. So obviously a party of the working class is not going to be a party of the ruling elite. And so it's interesting in my lifetime, right? I moved to California in 1977, and uh, Republicans were still a, the country club party of business. And now they're largely the party of the working class. The Tories have largely become, in England, the party of the working class. So aesthetics, I think, has so much to do with people's political, cultural, social, and religious choices. And I think major reason that Richard Spencer moved from right-wing ethno-nationalist to Biden-supporting liberal is aesthetics. Like, he didn't like the type of people that he was associated with in the MAGA crowd. He found them down-market, you know, uneducated, stupid, unappetizing, gross. And he noticed that the, the most educated elite, powerful people who he most wanted to hang out with right, were overwhelmingly Democrats. And I think that had a profound effect on his political change. And not just on him, on a lot of people. Right? We want to feel something. We want to be aligned with something that is cool and appealing. We want to be part of something beautiful like the Sydney Harbour here, the Sydney Opera House. In the botanical gardens this is downtown Sydney right? and then we want to be happy we want to be cool we want to be with a particular aesthetic and we then shift our politics and our religion and our cultural tastes our musical tastes to fit in with the aesthetic that is embodied by the crowd we want to belong to so people may move from low church to high church People may move from more primitive forms of religion to more intellectual forms of religion, depending on what social class they want to hang out with. Right? The major decider for where people will go to church or synagogue is the number of friends that they have at synagogue. I went to synagogue on Shabbos, and I knew everyone from my last trip to Sydney. Like I walked in, and I knew 20 people there. I'm not going to leave a synagogue like that where I know everyone. People are going to choose their, their politics to fit in with the crowd that dominates their community, their neighborhood, that dominates the social class they want to belong to, or to the social class they aspire to join. So... The Democrats used to be the party of the working class. Now they've become the party of the top dogs, right? The elite and the bottom tier of society. The Republicans have moved to an increasingly populist appeal. So populism depends upon the notion of a public, right? That you, there is such a thing as a general public who are united around certain values, causes, issues as opposed to the elites 
right? The elites can only rule by divide and conquer. The elites can only rule if society is segmented, is multicultural, is divided up, and then the elites can make alliances, such as with doctors or CEOs or professors, intellectuals, the literati. Right? That's how elites rule, by making alliances in a segmented, multicultural society. Populism depends upon a notion of a general public, of a united public, which is a lot easier the more homogeneous you are. Populism doesn't have definitive political principles. It's a reaction. Populism is a reaction against ruling elites. It doesn't last. Almost by definition, there can't be populist institutions. Populism is a spasm. It's a reflex. It's a reaction. And it's usually a reaction of the public against the elites. Now what happens is, as populist leaders become elites, they notice that they have more in common with other elites than they do with their own constituency. So this happens to a lot of Republicans who go to Washington or who are appointed to the Supreme Court or appointed to any prestigious group suddenly find that they have more in common with this particular group or with the Washington, D.C. set or the, the legal profession than they do with their constituency. So when populists gets leaders, right, the leaders become elite, they start feeling more in common with other elites rather than with the general public. So populism is very hard to sustain. It's a periodic, episodic reaction. It's a reflex which can rise to power very quickly and fall apart just as quickly. You can't have sustained, institutionalized populism. So when it's winter in Los Angeles, I like to move my yachts from Marina del Rey down to Sydney. I like to keep them here in Sydney Harbor during the winter. Then I move them back to Marina del Rey, March, April. But uh, all the posh people are doing it. The right kind of people, the right set. And uh, New South Wales police are even keeping an eye out on my boats props to you. G'day, mate, 40 here. So people have really weird jogging styles. A lot of them like pulling down on themselves when they're jogging, like, or they're like holding their sh shoulders really high, or notice that like their feet just kind of like going off to the side. It's kind of weird. Uh, often they have one side foot, I think it's like the right foot, I notice, tends to often like flail out to the right side. And uh, just all sorts of interfering muscular tension patterns, I notice. So that they're, because they're off center with every step, with every jolt, right? They're sending all sorts of layers of excess tension, compression just flowing throughout their body.
and that puts a lot more strain on the joints. Right, particularly as you get older, it's going to be a lot harder to sustain this kind of abuse of your joints. So the more aligned you are, right, the more your head is poised on top of your spine, shoulders are releasing to the side, your head is going up and leading your whole torso into length, then you're going to put a lot less pressure you know, on your, on your torso. So how do I... Still working out how to use this this gimbal. So you want to be aligned in life. You go through life a lot more gently if you're aligned. If you don't have unnecessary tension patterns or interference patterns. If you're not tightening your shoulders. If you're not splaying to one side or the other. You're not tipping your head back and pressing your neck. If your head is not like way out of front of you, or God forbid, tipping back. Many people seem to be permanently tipped back from the waist, right? And uh, that's why you see like so much pain in the faces of people who are jogging. Right? How often do you see a happy jogger, right? They normally have you know, pain, determination, exhaustion, it written all over their faces and then just ghastly you know, meeting their obligation frequently doing more harm to themselves than good right that's called end gaining when you pri prioritize the end over the means sometimes that's appropriate but often like end gaining you'll just do far more harm to yourself than good like you may want to really lift a certain weight but you'll so distort your musculature in the process that you're doing more harm than good. You may want to go for a run for your, for your cardio health, right? For your, get your, in your anaerobic exercise. But in the process, you may well you know, ingrain all sorts of destructive patterns. So that's the problem with goals. People often make ethical shortcuts to reach a goal or they will take shortcuts at the cost of their health or their relationships or their family or at the cost of you know, other even worthier goals. So goals can tempt you into making shortcuts moral, physical, spiritual, psychological and they can narrow your focus and they can tempt you to cheat so, another word for this is end gaining, where you put such a priority on the ends that you just don't think about the enormous damage that you're doing to yourself to try to reach these ends. So, what's the old cliche that it's more about the journey than the destination? Well, sometimes that's true, sometimes it's not. But either way, whether it's about the journey or the destination, don't have unnecessary tension in your shoulders. And necessary tension in your face. You want your head poised on top of your, your spine, leading your, your whole spine into length and width. You don't want to be tipping backwards from your hips. You don't want to have anterior pelvic tilt, which is very common, particularly on the right side of the pelvis. And then all sorts of things have to wrench to keep the eyes even, causing back pain.
as many people tend to have like one shorter is a lot taller than the other and when you go through life in this kind of hinged distorted fashion right it's going to distort your relationships with other people it's going to distort your relationship with yourself and distort your relationship with reality so the more you're trying to impose yourself on the world and the more likely you are to get unnecessary tension patterns the more comfortable you are simply observing reality letting go of unnecessary judgments and opinions so that you're just in a place of awareness rather than judgment right so right now I'm just placing myself in a state of awareness and I let go of unnecessary bodily tension I was making a video where I was trying to pronounce my judgments then my face would tense up my neck would tense up and uh, there'd be a lot of tightening and compressing going on some holding of the breath and all that would distort my thinking my speech my movement patterns so people from so-called uncivilized countries where they don't sit in chairs they tend to move the most freely and easily they tend to be the most at ease because they're not distorted by sitting in a chair they're not distorted by living in an intellectualized world an abstract world so when you're in your head when you're living in an abstract world you're much more vulnerable to developing all sorts of unnecessary tension patterns compression patterns because you've gotten out of touch with reality that's why I noticed that uh, women tend to be much more in touch with reality and with their bodies tend to move much more smoothly they, they don't have the weird distorting compression tension patterns that I see with men particularly during jogging or any so- form of exertion giving a speech when you're under pressure that's when your unnecessary compression and tension patterns become most obvious